Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This segment was presented by Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. What's going on, everybody? I hope everyone is having a fantastic night so far. I'm back with another Believe in the You podcast. This week, I got a very special guest, SEC recruiting analyst Blaine Gilmer. Man, Blaine, thank you so much for joining the Believe in the You and taking time out of your night to uh, join the show, man. I greatly appreciate it. Absolutely, Paul. I appreciate you having me on. It's always a pleasure to talk to somebody else in the Believe Podcast Network. <laughs> Absolutely, Blaine. And before we get started, where can the good people find you? Absolutely. The, my show is Recruiting Every Second. That's an emphasis on the SEC there in second. Um, all about everything SEC football recruiting. And you can follow on Twitter using at recruiting underscore SEC. Same on Instagram. And then my personal is at bgilmer18. Uh, also, I'm a writer and analyst for Rivals covering Georgia football specifically over there. So you can go to ugasports.com and catch a lot of my stuff there. Blaine, I'll be honest, man. I love the passion the SEC fan base brings. I feel like they take recruiting to a whole nother level. There's so much of a bigger following compared to any other conference. I mean, there's, to a certain extent, other programs that have a big following in recruiting. But SEC... That fan base like lives, breathes college football recruiting. Am I wrong? Oh no, you're absolutely right. I, I had um I had interviewed uh Ryan Montgomery and Luke Montgomery, who are in the class of 2023 and 2025, respectively. And they are kids that are being recruited by everybody. I'm sure Miami will get in on Ryan at some point. He's a quarterback down the line. But they had visited with JT Daniels at Georgia. And one thing JT Daniels told him, he said, man, if you want to if you want to develop and go to the league, he said, the SEC's the spot. He said, plus they he said, plus they treat it like a religion down here <laughs> in, in Georgia. So he said it, it's like a religion football is in the South. So you got to love it, man. SEC football, it's definitely changed the culture of modern-day college football. And with that being said, you know, college football changing, I got to ask, man, the name-image-likeness bill was just recently passed by the NCAA. I know Miami, some other states were kind of trying to get ahead of the name-image-likeness bill, trying to get that passed. And, you know, the NCAA kind of randomly dropped – you know, this bill that, hey, all student athletes will be eligible to make money off of their name, their image, and their likeness. Blaine, I want to hear your thoughts on this, and I'll say mine. 
I obviously think it's great that student athletes are able to make money because it's no different than, you know, other, if they are true students, right. As part of the student athlete package, other students that go to college can be going to that school and have a job and make money while they're going to school. So why can't, why can't the athletes, um, especially with all they do in terms of bringing in revenue for the school. So I think it's great in terms of that aspect. I do think that it's going to get a little bit crazy and it's going to be something that has to be monitored closely. One, to make sure students don't get taken advantage of. Uh, and two, to just make sure that, you know, the time gets balanced out because there's still an emphasis on playing well on the field and winning. And if you do those things, that's going to provide you even more opportunities to make money. But, um, I, you know, I've got more thoughts on how, uh, how it'll impact recruiting and things like that. But that's kind of my general aspect on it. I think overall it's a over – overdue good thing for college football but it's going to create some headaches of its own yeah i absolutely agree i think you kind of nailed it key point you said is you know monitoring you know these deals not everything's going to come out well every business deal i wish i'm in sales for example is my normal career job and not every business deal is going to go well you know people are trying to rip you off that's just the nature of society and the last thing I want are these players, you know, to get ripped off by the deals they sign. I mean, there's also you have to file your taxes properly in the United States of America. That's just <laughs> the way it is. You know, there's Absolutely. fine restrictions as to what happens when you don't file your taxes properly. And I'm also curious how players can kind of juggle both at 18, 19 years old, 20, 21, 22. Now, I mean, Chris Winkie was what, 47 when he played at Florida <laughs> State. You always yeah. got to throw the Florida State jabs in there. But uh you know, how do you file your, your taxes properly? You know, who's guiding these players on doing that? But I, I think, you know, overall, you know, NCAA has been making millions and billions of dollars and you see it with athletic programs and, you know, academic buildings that are made and money, you know, funneling into these academic institutions because of college football specifically, which is the primary money maker. So I think it's great players are making money. I'm just curious if they can balance both and you know blaine do you think all programs will benefit from this name image likeness bill because there's a theory out there and i can see the point where bigger markets such as los angeles miami i mean Rutgers isn't going to benefit off of new york city i'll be honest <laughs> but um you know bigger markets are going to have a bigger impact smaller college towns are not that's a theory out there that's a conversation Athens, Georgia, it's not the biggest town. It's a college town. I think that's the appropriate word for it. It's not a capital of the state of Georgia. You know, it's a it's a college town. Want to hear your thoughts on that? Well, uh, as far as Rutgers goes, they, they, they may not end up long term, but they're using it to the heck to their advantage right now. I promise you, their recruiting class, Rutgers is putting together yeah, a tremendous recruiting class. But in terms of, uh, I don't I don't know that, that theory that some people are coming out with, with the proximity to uh, bigger markets and cities is necessarily going to be the way that this thing shakes out. I think it's going to be more of, okay, so if I'm a player, let's say I'm a three-star, uh, high three-star, low four-star, and I can go to Alabama or Georgia or Ohio State or Clemson and be a guy who sits for two years, maybe plays some special teams, and then has the opportunity to – uh, start later on and then maybe start capitalizing on my name, image, and likeness more then, or I can go to Kentucky or 
Vanderbilt or TCU or a Wake Forest or somewhere like that. Of course, Miami is some, a program I consider to be a top-tier program regardless of their record, so they would fit more along with the Georgias and Alabamas and all that. But you could go to a more mid-tier program, start right away. Does that make me more money over the long term of my college career? Because not everybody's going pro. So that's kind of how I see it impacting more, less on geographic lines and markets, which will come into play, but more on what is my opportunity at this school. Absolutely. You know, Reggie Bush, for example, there was like an article saying he would have made three to four million dollars playing at the University of Southern California. I can't I can only imagine what a guy like Johnny Manziel would have made at Texas A&M, for example. I mean, look at JT Daniels during his time at Georgia, Aaron Murray, Matthew Stafford, you know, just to name some players, no Sean Moreno as well. Those guys would have made a lot of money. Even I'll throw in DJ Shockley. You know, during yeah. their time at Georgia, you know, and Athens is, is a college town. That's what it is, right? It's what it prides itself representing the University of Georgia. So I think those players would have made loads of money, you know, representing the University of Georgia. It's because the University of Georgia was winning football games. And I think if your college football team is winning football games and there's a big reputation about you across the country, people are going to want to buy your jersey. You know, you're going to market yourself a lot better. So Primarily, I don't think it matters what market you're in. I just think if you're winning football games and you can market yourself to an elite level where you become very popular and you're a household name in a college football household. With that being said, Blaine, how does this impact recruiting? Because look, there's no hiding it. There is a black market in recruiting. Let's be yeah. real. Every college football team is trying to find ways to land recruits. There's been discussions saying, hey, this program XYZ, you know, they're giving out cars, they're paying players, there's income. The NCAA has never find, found any evidence, right? Two specific college football programs, but everyone can agree there is a black market trying to land players. How does this impact recruiting, you think? Well, I just think in terms of recruiting overall, like I said, it's going to create a little bit more parity in the midst of the mid-tier prospects. So one reason that Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, all these programs, Ohio State, Notre Dame, have been up there at the top in the playoff mix the last four or five years, right, is because of the not just the starting 11. Everybody's starting 11, you know, on each side of the ball. is It's pretty similar at the Power 5 level. I mean, you got studs out there, but it's that second – and third, the rotational guys that can come in, Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, they just do so well in recruiting. They have the depth to just wear people out throughout the game and, and things like that. I think you're going to see some more of those depth pieces being spread out at a Miami, at a Kentucky, uh, at a Florida State even. Rutgers, like I said, is, is grabbing some more people. UCLA. You know, some of some of these programs that have been struggling to get back to relevancy and, and try to make it back to the top, they're going to take some of those guys that would have normally gone to the appeal of, okay, where's the best place to win a national championship? Where's the best place uh, to get developed for the pros? They say, well, I can go to a place like Kentucky, who put out seven NFL draft picks this past year, get developed for the pros, play earlier, make more money, and then maybe help make them into a winner and then my name image and likeness goes through the roof so there's a lot of a lot of different impacts in terms of that i think but 
in terms of the the five star, high four star guys, the biggest best programs are still going to get those. I mean, your Alabama, Georgia's, Ohio State's, even Miami's that I consider because they pull in a uh, huge huge amount of talent uh, each and every year. They're still going to get those big time guys, but it's some of those mid tier programs that are going to start to get some some better players. Absolutely. No, I completely agree, Blaine. And, you know, speaking of Miami recruiting, we've had the Mark Richt era who brought in actually some former staff members at the University of Georgia. I mean, for example, our tight ends coach was Todd Hartley, who's back at the University of Georgia. We even had James Coley, who was your OC as our OC. This was before Mark Richt even got there. We brought in Thomas Brown, who I'm sure you're mm-hmm. very well familiar with as our co-offensive coordinator, running backs coach. They're no longer with the program. I want to pick your brain on Miami's current recruiting staff. There's some SEC guys there. Rhett Lashley, he was the co-OC at Auburn. Now he's our OC. You have Ishmael Aristide, who you know was developing a name at Texas A&M. And we also brought in Travaris Robinson, who's made his rounds in SEC football. He was the defensive coordinator at South Carolina. How do, how do those names sound on Miami staff right now to a recruiting standpoint compared to SEC recruiters? Well, they, they bring energy is, is one of the main things. I mean, they bring energy to the trail, especially Coach, uh, Coach Robinson, T-Rob, as he's called affectionately by a lot of the recruits out there. When he was at Auburn, I mean, there was, there was some real – connections being made by coach robinson uh he also you know like you said with his, his time before um in south carolina things like that i mean he's got a, a track record he, he he's proven brings that brings that relatability to these athletes so outside of the nil and all that kind of stuff that we've talked about every recruit that i talked about says hey i need to have a good relationship with my main recruiter, a good relationship with my position coach. That's who I'm going to spend the most of my time around over the next three or four years. And if he can, if coach Robinson, coach Lashley and coach uh, Arstad can, you know, make sure that those guys are feeling that and it's communicated to them, then Miami's going to continue to have success recruiting, but Rhett Lashley is going to help recruiting just by what he's the product he's putting out on the field with Derek King. I mean, 30, over 34 points a game, 400, almost 450 yards per game offensively for Miami. That those those numbers speak for themselves, and people are going to be excited to play in a creative, uh, innovative offense. Of course, Rhett Lashley kind of under that Gus Malzahn coaching tree. There, he's going to do some things definitely differently than Malzahn did uh, offensively, but still learned a lot from people who can say what they want. Gus Malzahn's a good coach. Uh, and he, he's, he's going to do a good job at UCF. You just wait and see, but, um, kind of got, he was at the hardest job in America at Auburn. You got to play Georgia and Alabama each and every year and LSU. There's no other job in the country that hard. So, uh, him at UCF and make some changes, but that staff at Miami, tremendous. When you talk about Ishmael, our, uh, our he was, he's learned under Jimbo Fisher. He's learned under Matt Luke, who's now at Georgia. So tremendous coaches there on the Miami staff. Yeah, no, I mean, Gus Malzahn is going to do a tremendous job at UCF. I mean, he's brought in Travis Williams, who at the moment was Miami's linebackers coach, got the defensive coordinator position at UCF. I, I mean, I think it's a fair argument to say he's the best coach in the state of Florida. I mean, he beat Nick Saban, right? Yeah. <laughs> 
So it's going to, I think UCF is a sleeping giant. I think they're more than qualified for a power five school looking at their resources. So I think UCF is a program trending upward and definitely should be a power five school in the near future. You know, it breaks my heart. Like honestly, I think about this all the time, Blaine. There was an article that said Kirby Smart was interested in the Miami Hurricanes football job. And I always pictured in my head, what if Kirby Smart took that job before Mark Rick got fired? You know, what if we just landed him? I think he would have killed it. I really think he would. And the beautiful thing about Georgia and Miami, there's so many similarities. I just mentioned past coaches who coached at Georgia. Mark Rick coming over, who I think all Georgia Bulldogs fans really love as a person, you know, and as a coach. I think he brought a lot of stability to, to, to any college football program. I think he was a good, solid head football coach. A little bit stubborn offensively, but I think he had – he definitely had a good stability there running a program. Um, what's it looking like right now for Georgia football recruiting? Uh, Georgia football recruiting is kind of uh, laying laying low right now in terms of they're waiting out some of these monster targets that they're going after, some of them that they share with Miami. In fact, you know, J- the Jacob Hoods of the world, the Shamar Stewarts, I feel like Jacob Hood and Shamar Stewart are – 100% entrenched in Georgia-Miami battles, head-to-head Georgia-Miami battles. And those are going to be some big guys that, that Georgia's looking after uh, to try to get. Of course, also uh, another people entity there in the state of Florida, IMG Academy, has become a yeah. pipeline to the University of Georgia. Um, you know, Tyler Booker is a guy they're looking to, to get out of there. Kamari Wilson, a safety who Miami and Georgia are also – battling over so there's a lot of uh, actual recruiting battles between Georgia and Miami oddly enough right now so Georgia's trying to I'd, I'd envision them finishing in the top three and no and regardless of the rankings that you see uh just they have they have some work to do at the moment I'll tell you what Blaine Florida State's at number three right now they're dropping so you'll fill in that spot easily I'll give it to you there um, you know, speaking of Jacob Hood, and we'll get into Shamar Stewart afterwards, I saw both of those players that are kind of our headline camper recruits to mingle with alumni and current players and the coaching staff. It was called Paradise Camp in our indoor practice facility, which Mark Richt uh, really stressed about to bring to the University of Miami. And it was a camp we held. I saw Jacob Hood there in person. How is he a three star? He's six foot eight, over 330 pounds. He literally looks like the Empire State Building. I'm like, this is a five-star recruit. What am I missing here that recruiting services aren't giving him that, you know, premier bump to be a, a headline recruit? This kid looks like a star at the next level. What are your thoughts about Jacob Hood? He's a young man that his body has, he's always been obviously a massive human being, but his body's changed a lot, especially over covid from the beginning of covid to to now he's kind of lost some of his uh, bad weight and and transformed his body a little bit more um so definitely getting himself into a good playing shape and i saw him at the rivals five-star challenge i mean his legs are just like tree trunks i mean he's he's a big big human being at six eight uh you know definitely pushing the the three He's in it's some 335, 340. I mean, he's right, right in there. So Jacob Hood, I think, before it's all said and done, will climb up those recruiting rankings. But if it's any indication to you, Georgia absolutely 100% loves Jacob Hood, and I know Miami does as well. So if Georgia's looking after – if Georgia 
who has a great track record with offensive tackles is looking to bring you in in the class, then chances are you're a tremendous offensive line prospect. So look for Jacob Hood to kind of make that realm. I think it was just, I just think it was that maturity in his body that happened, you know, before people had eyes on him, why he didn't have the best, um, best ranking. If you can give a prediction where it stands right now with Jacob Hood, maybe like an early prediction, your own crystal ball, He's from Nashville, Tennessee. I mean, he has an offer from Tennessee, I'm assuming, right? I mean, they, yeah. that program's a mess, but that's another story. Um, where would you land kind of the race between for Jacob Hood? Maybe Georgia's number one, Tennessee's the lead, Miami's in the mix? or I think it's as tight as it can be. I'd put Georgia at 1A and Miami 1B. I mean, that's how – like it's it's – I'm talking about if it was a percentage race, it'd be like 52, 48 percentage right now. I, I think that's how close it is between Georgia and Miami. I would give Georgia just a slight edge, a little bit closer to home. Uh, you know, a program that has made Jacob for a very long time feel like a feel like a priority. Um, and you know, it, obviously, uh, him and uh, Matt Luke uh, have have a good good relationship so far. So. Um, we'll see how it all plays out. Auburn would is who I'd put at number three uh, behind those two, making a push as well with Brian Harson coming on the helm uh, there. But Miami is right there with Georgia on this, and I wish I could give you a – I, I haven't put in my future cast over at Rivals yet for Mr. Hood, but uh, once I once I do, I can guarantee you it'll either be Georgia or Miami because those, those two are, are primed uh, in a battle for him. Gotta love it, man. Miami and Georgia recruiting battles. I mean, it's it's really like if Miami offers, Georgia offers. If Georgia offers, Miami offers. I mean, they're always battling it out for recruits. You gotta love it, man. I'm hoping we can meet one day for an Orange Bowl game. I mean, that's the only way it kind of sets up, or yeah. you know, just somehow to play each other in a bowl game. I mean, rightfully say, rightfully so, a national title game, right? Not a New Year's Six bowl game. There but you go. One day it will happen. You know. We mentioned Shamar Stewart, local guy, Opelika, Florida, in Miami-Dade County. I think a lot of Miami Hurricanes fans will be in depression if he picks an out-of-state school. But at the end of the day, you know, George has been putting up great numbers, better than Miami. It's what's on paper. Can't lie about that. Um, you know, how do you view Shamar Stewart, five-star recruit defensive lineman, um, as a prospect, and where do you think things stand? Well, last time I talked to Shamar, he told me that he loved his visit at, at Athens, that he, he really liked the town of Athens. However, he said, it's not like being in the town of Miami. <laughs> so in terms of the, the off-campus life and things like that, Miami really has that going for him. He loves the city of Miami. He loves the, the, the feel of the, the town, the campus. He's visited there multiple times. I think for Shamar, it's really going to come down to – he still has his official visits to take this fall. Um, he's going to take, he's taken a bunch of unofficial visits. And I think one official to LSU, which went terrible. Everybody thought uh, LSU was going to be his favorite. He walked away from that one, pretty much ruling LSU out. So, and I don't know the specifics there, but it did not go well. Um, so in terms of, I do think it's a Georgia Miami battle for Shamar Stewart. I would give Miami the edge because he seems to just love the South Florida area. However, him and Dan Lanning have been able to ramp up their conversations lately, the Georgia defensive coordinator, Dan Lanning. And 
I, I, I definitely believe that, that Georgia's going to be in it till the end and that official visit that they'll have an opportunity to kind of close the gap on Miami and maybe overtake them. Ohio State can't be ruled out either there. Shamar had a great day at Ohio State when he went up there and worked out, did some freakishly athletic things. So you're talking about a, a guy that's, you know, 275 pounds now, a true defensive end and can run a four, five, five, 40. I mean, he's just a freak athlete. So it's going to be a slugfest between Georgia and Miami with Ohio State trying to make up ground. I would give Miami the, the edge right now, though. No, I wholeheartedly agree. I think it's, you know, Miami, Georgia at the moment. What I've been hearing is that, you know, Miami does have the edge. And right now they are the favorite to land Shamar Stewart. Recruiting is a crazy game. I mean, look, these, these kids are they're 17, 16 years old. They change their mind constantly. So you never know. You know, the advantage Miami has is that he's in their backyard, literally. So he's in Miami-Dade County. You know, I, I think that's a huge edge right there. He, I saw him at Paradise Camp. He was really you know, entertaining with a lot of the current players there. It seemed like he was one of their own. So, you know, hey, I think that would be a big boost for Miami's recruiting class because right now, I mean, we're, we're dead last in the ACC. So we, we need to get all the help we can get, honestly, moving forward. Um, you know, one name we did not mention, Blaine, and this is a big recruit. I mean, this is a five-star kid out of the state of Texas. I think you know who I'm talking about. Big defensive lineman, Bear Alexander. On my end, Miami... His whole fan base was in shocked when he announced he was going to visit campus because I think he decommitted from Georgia, correct? He did. He de- he decommitted from Georgia. He was he was in a very early commit to Georgia, um, which shocked some people uh, because he's you know out of the state of Texas. One thing people need to understand about Bear Alexander is he was being heavily recruited by Nick Williams, who was a graduate assistant at the University of Georgia. He was his main point of contact. The two got very close. They talked every day. He was his his guy when he would come initially, his first ever visit to Georgia, things like that. But then Nick Williams gets hired by Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M as a defensive analyst, makes more money, uh, has an opportunity to go over there, and a week after moving over there, convinces Bear Alexander to come on a official visit to Texas A&M. Immediately after that official visit, he decommits from Georgia. So I think as much as Miami and Georgia are wanting to try there, I think Bear Alexander is Texas A&M bound unless something crazy happens. I do know that he was up at Lake uh, Rabin, uh, you know, Lake Burton, up with Gunnar Stockton, who's a five-star quarterback commit to Georgia. Uh, here lately, so Georgia's trying to get back in it. I know Miami's going to keep pushing hard, but I would call Texas A&M the favorite for Bear Alexander right now. I agree. No, local kid from the state of Texas, uh, Jimbo Fisher, he's one of the best recruiters in the country, great head coach as well. I think he's a lock to Texas a and I'll book that right now on my crystal ball, even if I have a say in that. But no, Bear Alexander to Texas A&M sounds right. Hate to break the hearts of any Georgia fans. I just, I mean, even Blaine is throwing it out there, so Definitely do agree on that. And Blaine, speaking of Georgia Bulldogs football, man, you guys got a primetime matchup, which I was educated on. It was called a civil war, I think, or a 10-year war by Will Vandervoort, who's a Clemson insider. Unfortunately, you guys don't play yearly anymore, but this is a huge game for you guys. And it's for both programs. It's the first game of the season, which I'm not a fan of. I'd rather have the game scheduled later in the season, but man, I mean, what's your little preview on this game? Because this is going to be a shootout. Well, for the Georgia Bulldogs, it is 
the, the, this is going to be September 4th is going to be the most important recruiting day. You talk about recruiting that game is going to be the most because the hurdle that George is having right now is recruiting dynamic receivers that can match the likes of Clemson's and Ohio state and Alabama have had over the last few years. That's been one of the quarterback and receiver position have been these separators at, between Georgia and those other schools here lately, but with JT Daniels and what he was able to do in his four games as the as the main you know quarterback, the signal caller for Georgia last year, if he comes out against Clemson and throws for 400 plus yards and three touchdowns, whether Georgia wins or loses that game, if he if Georgia's offense looks modern and it looks successful and exciting then you're going to see Georgia having to turn away commitments. I mean, that's how that's how it's going to, to break down. So it's really a huge game for Todd Munkin and the Georgia offense and for Kirby Smart, for that matter, to show a stacked offense because there's not many offenses in the country that return more playmakers than Georgia has on their their team. And Clemson, uh, quite frankly, is has – this is the year to get Clemson if you're going to get them. I mean, they've lost a lot of a lot of talent, uh, you know. And you, anytime you lose, I don't care how good DJ Uangale and I can't Uangale, I can't say his last name. But uh, if how I don't care how much how talented DJ is, replacing Trevor Lawrence is not going to be an easy thing for Clemson and Dabo. So it's going to be a great matchup. Uh, Georgia's looking to put the ball in the air more this year and create some explosive plays. So we'll see if that happens for him. Yeah. I mean, one thing, just my outside perspective on Georgia is they don't utilize their tight ends a lot. And I could be completely wrong because you, you cover the team. I mean, you're, you're a Georgia bulldog by blood, right? Um, you know, you have a great tight end, Dwayne Washington, um, who, I mean, just measurement wise, he looks like, I mean, he was a five-star tight end coming out of high school. I would love to get him more looks and hopefully, you know, just you guys can utilize the tight ends more, you know, more of that passing attack. Because I think just culturally, George is always trying to get the offense going, you know, whether it was under Mark Richt, Kirby Smart changing offensive coordinators, you know, just get that ball rolling offensively. And I think you guys will be fine. Uh, you know, Blaine, is, is this the year you get over that hump against Alabama? Well, the only thing it would be is in the SEC championship. Both would have right. to make it there because Georgia's. Uh, Georgia's schedule this year is about as favorable as it comes. After that Clemson game, Georgia does not have to play Alabama, LSU, or uh, Texas A&M. So you're talking about as favorable as it comes uh, for Georgia's. They they really, if they get over that Clemson game, should go undefeated. Uh, and, you know, the presumed favorite is Alabama. But I would caution everybody, Alabama's got questions of their own. Bryce Young, as talented as he may be, is quite unproven. Uh, very small, so we'll see how we'll see how that that turns out between Georgia and Alabama. But I would say if this would be the first year with JT Daniels at the helm, that if the two match up and JT Daniels is healthy and the team, every, you know, everything, all, everything injuries aside, all the freak stuff that happens, if if JT Daniels is healthy and Georgia's rolling, this will be the first year that Georgia has overall more talent than Alabama on their roster top to bottom and the fastest team that Kirby Smart's ever had as well. So um, we'll see. It, it, it'll be interesting to see if Georgia can can make that uh, progression here. 
Yeah, no, I, I think JT Daniels is a great co- college quarterback. I think he can even be a, a potential NFL quarterback, get drafted early on. You know, it depends on this upcoming season, but I really like where Georgia stands right now. And I, I think this is their year, right? I mean, it, it's about time. I think culturally, you know, for quite a while, it's been trying ever since Mark Richt, you know, throughout Kirby Smart, it's getting over that hump. It was Urban Meyer before, then it was Nick Saban. You know, getting over that hump to to win that national title game, and I, I think it this year it could happen. You know, the SEC is the toughest conference. If uh, if Nick Saban had never been at Alabama, Mark Rick would have probably never been to Miami because Mark Rick probably wins the national championship in 2012 and can stay at Georgia as long as he wants because <laughs> whoever won that Alabama Georgia game in 2012 was going to beat Notre Dame like they stole something. It was what which is what Alabama did. So. We we shall uh, we shall see, but definitely something to look forward to. Blaine, thank you so much for your time, man. It was a pleasure talking, uh, recruiting college football with you once again, man. Where can the good people find you? Uh, at recruiting underscore sec on Twitter and Instagram, and then of course uh, you can follow me using at bgilmer18 on Twitter. And if you want to catch up on some of these overlapping targets of Miami and Georgia, you can go to ugasports.com and then see our news over there. So greatly appreciate it, Blaine. Thank you again, man. Take care. Thanks, Paul. This segment was presented by bet online. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.